This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Hoisty Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. Another game week for East Carolina and a big game week as, yes, ECU is bow eligible, but... Now it's on to Navy, and we all know, everybody in Pirate Nation knows what this week means in terms of past history, the problems ECU has had defending the triple option, everything that goes into this week. It is a different animal, which is why, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, hey, can ECU put the the reaching of the six wins behind them, reaching that goal, and that sort of deal, and, and theoretically, you know, I get the talk of why this is a tough spot for ECU because, A, you've had this goal now for basically about seven years to get back to bowl eligibility. Well, it finally happened. And so your classic letdown spot would be the next week. And going on the road in that spot is tough. Not to mention you also have your highest-ranked opponent potentially ever coming into Dottie Ficklin Stadium in the week to follow in Cincinnati. But one of the – the main reason I should say that I don't think that ECU is going to have a letdown here. Now, whether or not they win the game or not is a whole different discussion. I mean, I think this is going to be a dogfight on Saturday either way, but I don't think ECU being unable to move past Memphis will be the reason why. If they get beat on Saturday, I just think it'll be because they either A, can't stop the option or can't score enough points on a solid Navy defense or a combination of both. Um, But I, I don't have much concern over the coaching staff and the players being ready for this game. This is a game that, much like the Tulane game earlier in the year, I think ECU has had circled for a long time. We saw how ECU played in that Tulane game. Now this is a much different, um, much different issue. You know, I, I thought the Tulane game in particular, that game, ECU was so. I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, but they they did not play to their potential at all last year. So that one was kind of looked at for much of the offseason, much of the preseason. Hey, how can we find a way to win that pivotal game? And I think going into this season, the thought was much of the same surrounding the Navy game. Not only is it a unique triple option offense, but really Mike Houston, one of the reasons he hired Blake Carroll was to defend the triple option uh, because Blake Carroll's been around the triple option his whole career. He was there at the Citadel. He was there at Kennesaw State. So he's always been around the triple option. He knows it like the back of his hand. He knows the schemes, different ways to defend it. Obviously, he's got to translate that to the players because he's not the one out there making the tackle. But this staff between Coach Houston, who used to be a head coach at a triple option offense at Lenore Ryan in the Citadel, uh, Roy Tesh, who was on those staffs, Trip Weaver, who was on those staffs at the Citadel, you know, you've got a lot of experience here against the triple option, and and ECU knows how to install its scheme for the triple option. So they've been practicing this thing since the spring. They're out fall camp. Every Sunday they would work on it a little bit throughout the season because it's such a unique offense. So I have very little doubt that the coaches are going to put the players in the best position to succeed. And then if you're the players, yeah, you got six wins, but what better way to get your refocus than to 
turn on the film on Sunday and see that Navy triple option or see that Navy defense, which has given ECU fits in the past. ECU has played bad offensively the past two years against Navy. So, and ECU historically as a program has been embarrassed by the triple option. And you better know that Mike Houston is telling his team about those games, about the history, about what a win over Navy would mean for this program. So moving past the six wins I don't think is going to be a, an issue. Winning the game is going to be the challenge. It's not easy to go up to Annapolis in late November and beat Navy on senior day when they're recognizing 25-plus seniors. Uh, it's a proud program. They're one of, they haven't had a season that they want to have in terms of wins, so they're going to want to send their guys out winners. Um, not to mention when you face any triple option team, let alone Navy, you know more than likely it's going to be a close game, which means you got to make the plays when it counts to win. Navy, after a slow start in the year, has really come on. I mean, I know they're 2-7 and seven guys, but you look at these scores, they had a chance to win almost every one of these conference games really outside of Memphis. They got beat soundly against Memphis, and Memphis, uh, for whatever reason, has always given Navy fits. Um, but look at these scores here, 28-20 to at Houston. They beat UCF 34-30, to uh, played SMU in a tight game 31-24, Memphis Again, 35-17, that was the one comfortable loss they really had in conference play. 27-20 against Cincinnati at home in a dogfight. And then at Tulsa, they beat Tulsa on the road 20-17, coming off a 34-6 loss at Notre Dame. Uh, So they have struggled in non-conference play, but in the American, they have been in every single game, and they've improved throughout the season. It's just their style of play is conducive to close games. And, And so I think... We're going to see a close game on Saturday. I'll be surprised. You know, the only way I don't think you'll see a close game is if ECU is somehow able to get uh, up two scores or so early and kind of bury Navy. And really the only way to do that is, A, either get the ball first, go score, get a stop, or a turnover, go score again, or get an early turnover or an early Navy mistake and take advantage of that. So. Um, the, the Navy team that lost 49-7 to to Marshall and 23-3 to to the Air Force, I mean, it's just a much different team now. They've changed quarterbacks. They've uh, fixed some things defensively. They've gone back to more of a multiple defensive look. They're mixing up things a lot. They're, and, and they've, you know, they don't have as much talent as past years. They really don't. I mean, they don't have that explosive quarterback that just scares you to death like Malcolm Perry or Keenan Reynolds or even Ricky Dobbs back in the day. But um, they've just been solid, and what they do is, you know, they don't they don't hit a lot of big plays, but they're getting those three and four yard gains. They're on second and seven, they're on third and three, fourth and one, and they're converting those plays when they're in a when they're in a rhythm. A 21 play drive at Memphis that took 11 minutes and 50 seconds off the clock on their first series of the game. So that kind of shows you what potential they have when they're clicking. Now I do feel like ECU will be prepared for this game. They were prepared for it last year. You pretty much have all those players back. I will be interested to see kind of the chess match between Blake Harrell and Navy's offensive staff because last year in the second half, they started to run uh, their fullback, I believe, on this trap play, kind of more off tackle rather than the dive, and it really gave ECU's defense fits. So I'm sure ECU will have an answer for that, or at least try to, and then I'm sure Navy will, will try to counter with something. I mean, they had a bye week last week coming off the Notre Dame game while ECU was playing a, a physical fight at Memphis. So Navy will be well prepared, and that's why I 
I'll be surprised if ECU is able to jump on them early because I think Navy will have something up their sleeve. Whether they can sustain it the whole game or not, who knows. Um, and the other side of this, too, we talk so much about the, the triple option, ECU defending it. The other side is ECU offensively has got to find a way to have a good game. I mean, so many of these problems in terms of playing Navy over the years has been a, a byproduct of not only the defense struggling, but the offense just not able to hold up its end of the bargain. You know you're going to get limited possessions. Um, last year, obviously, it was a unique situation with Holt Naylor's being out. Mason Garcia getting his first career start against one of the more complex defenses in the American. You know, they surprisingly didn't come after Garcia a lot. They played a lot of coverage and gave ECU a lot of fits in that regard. This year with Holton Naylor's back, I remember in 2019, they came after Holton pretty relentlessly. They mixed up pressures, mixed up looks. ECU did not handle it well at all. Um, obviously, a few years later, many of those players are back. Many of those players are back for ECU. But you also should have more of a sample size in terms of what to expect on East Carolina side. But they mix it up defensively. You know, their biggest issue is, obviously, when you're Navy, you don't have the pound-for-pound talent across the board. So they are susceptible at times to some big plays, especially if they play that aggressive style. And really, big plays have been the difference between many of their losses in conference play. You look at the Cincinnati game, the SMU game, um, you know, some of these other contests where they just narrowly lost, they have given up some big plays. And one thing they they haven't been able to do is overcome those because they don't quite have the talent of the past. So ECU's offense has been able to sustain drives lately. It, this is a week that it could hit a big play. You get Keith Mitchell in space against this defense, you can outrun these guys. Uh, we saw Rajay Harris do it last year with uh, his best career game including an 80-yard touchdown run. So the opportunity is there if ECU executes to hit on some big plays. It's just not going to be easy. They always play well defensively up there. It's going to be cold, uh, conducive to more of a low-scoring game, but we'll see how it plays out on Saturday. Uh, really looking forward to this game, looking forward to get up to Annapolis, even though I have I have never seen ECU win in Annapolis. I didn't. Ironically, the only game in Annapolis I haven't been to was 2011, when the Pirates won and Dominique Davis broke Aaron Rodgers' consecutive completions record, which was a memorable day. I remember watching that game on the television, though. That was a crazy game. The only win in the series for ECU in the history came in 2011 um, between these two teams. I went in 2006 when Skip Holtz was the coach of ECU and Paul Johnson was the coach of Navy. Went as a fan for that game. That was a, a great experience. Uh, ECU also narrow won that day. Also went, I believe, in 2015 when the Pirates got beat pretty soundly in the uh, the final year of the Rough McNeil era and also went in 2019. So the Pirates have, have struggled at Navy. They've struggled against Navy in general. Um, but we'll get into some of the reasons I do like ECU in this game, including uh, Blake Carroll uh, dialing up things defensively and this defensive personnel finally having some familiarity with the option. As always, we got a ton of questions to get to on the Hoisted Colors message board. We'll go ahead and dive into those because in our previews, they kind of control the, the, the show, uh, let us um, take place in terms of how the show flows, the narrative, that sort of stuff. And you guys ask a lot of good questions, so we will jump into those questions right now. All right, our old buddy Bird Pirate is the First up here with three questions. His first question is, with the tension to detail being so important to stopping the triple option, do you think we'll rotate as much on the defensive line or mostly play the starters that have had the most experience against the option? 
Berg, that is an outstanding question. Um, you know, Mike Houston said earlier this week they really want to get guys in, rotate guys a lot, that sort of stuff. But you look back at last year's game in the trenches, ECU almost played the same defense the entire game, especially up front. 63 defensive snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. Rick DeBrew got the start at defensive tackle. He played all 63 snaps. Elijah Morris played 60 of 63 snaps at nose tackle. And Chris Willis played the entire game at defensive end. Chad Stevens also played the entire game at rush outside linebacker. Uh, the only defensive lineman that the only other defensive lineman that played was Xavier McIver. So interestingly enough, this will be you know, you, you have DeBrew back, you have Morris back, you have also Chad Stevens back, who's playing more defensive end now than, than outside linebacker, and then uh, MacGyver got a few snaps. But outside of that, no other defensive lineman played in that game. So what I anticipate is you'll likely see minimal rotations early unless Navy gets on a roll and they just start grinding you and blowing you off the ball. I mean, ECU does want to stay fresh defensively, but at the same time, they want their guys they trust and they want the guys that they know are going to execute on the field as much as possible. Um, but it's a it's a war up there in the in the, against the option, and maybe that's part of the reason we saw Navy have success as last year's game went on. So hopefully this year with more practice time against that option uh, for the backups, maybe some of those guys are a little bit more familiar with the scheme, what to do. Very interested to see how you know a guy like Jeremy Lewis operates on Saturday. This will be his first time going against the option. After all, he spent the last few years at tight end on the offensive side. Um, so really intrigued to see where Xavier Smith plays. Is he playing outside linebacker? Is he playing inside? So uh, a lot of things. But, I mean, Jaquan McMillan, uh, Malik Fleming, Nolan Johnson all played a lot last year against the option. Bruce Bivens had 27 snaps at middle linebacker. Aaron Ramsour had 36 uh, Jaira Wilson played the entire game, 63 snaps at Sam. Sean Dorsot had 63 snaps at safety. And then Warren Sava and Robert Kennedy, Kennedy no longer with the program, split time at the other safety spots. So um, you'll have some new guys who didn't necessarily play last year, like a DJ Ford or Tegan Wilk. Maybe some of those guys get some time against the option. DJ, of course, faced it at, at Georgia Tech. So that'll be an interesting dynamic is to see what personnel is utilized on Saturday against that option attack. Uh, second question from Berg, how many points do you think we'll need to score to beat Navy? He says mid-30s, question mark. You know, personally, I don't think ECU needs to get into the mid-30s. I mean, the over-under for this game is around 45, 46. I see this as more of a low-scoring game. Navy has not scored a lot this year. I mean, they're averaging 16 points per game. That is not much at all. Um, and they, But they possess the ball at a high rate. I mean, they're they're keeping the ball for 35-plus minutes a game, which is more than 2019 when they went 11-2. and two. So they're kind of grinding out clock, trying to make it a low-scoring game, running the, the clock down. Um, here are their point totals for the year. Seven against Marshall, three against Air Force, 20 at Houston, 34 against UCF, 24 against SMU, 17 at Memphis, 20 against Cincinnati, 17 at Tulsa, six versus Notre Dame. So they're just not scoring a ton of points. Now, they, they do have a lot of long possessions. Again, try to take time off the clock, try to shorten the game. So I think if you're ECU, if you get in the high 20s, you're feeling pretty good. I mean, if you can if you can score 27, I, I think this defense can hold Navy down enough to where you're, you're feeling comfortable with, you know, high 20s. Um, third question from Berg Pirate. 
True or false, if ECU blows out Navy, Ken Niamatololo is fired at the end of the year. I, I don't know enough about the, the situation up there uh, other than it's it seems to be a weird dynamic. And um, But I would think with the success he's had there, it would be very tough to warrant firing Niamatololo. But obviously the, the AD stepping in and firing the OC at one point in the year and then Niamatololo rehiring – the OC in a different capacity. I mean, it's just obviously a strange dynamic there. You know, listening to their media uh, and talking to some guys uh, up there, it sounds like the COVID pandemic has really affected them. You know, guys, you know, that they, they, I don't want to say they've been on lockdown, but there have been pretty stringent rules during this pandemic, and they've lost some players because of it that would normally be playing and normally stick through the academy, all that sort of stuff. And I think their talent level has taken a hit as a result. I think it's, Regardless of who the coach is, it's been a tough, tough few years to be the Navy coach. And uh, if you get rid of Niamh Lolo, I mean, that who are you going to hire that's better than him? Uh, I think when I think it all comes down for Navy to having that quarterback. When he has that quarterback, I mean, they are nearly impossible to stop. They almost have to beat themselves. So um, for me, I, I think it would be a mistake to fire Niamh Lolo, but certainly some things are are uh, are awry there from the outside looking in. Uh, CBY Land, he doesn't have a question, but he just wanted to say that November 20th is my birthday, and all I want for my birthday is an ECU victory. Uh, well, hopefully you get your wish, man. Um, if you're not going to the game, hopefully it, you have a party and the guys pull it out and you can enjoy it on TV, have a, have a few cold ones, and ECU gets their sixth win. But, yeah, big day Saturday for uh, for the Pirates and for you, so happy birthday in advance of Saturday. All right, ECU grad of four. I'm still keeping a list of your questions, ECU grad, that I can't answer for um, an edition of the show where we talk to some administrators who have better answers than I do. But uh, I am going to answer these questions as best as possible. Uh, why does Navy, ECU grad asked, not want to be on the AAC ESPN TV contract for home games besides the obvious Army-Navy game? How much do they get annually from CBS? Uh, I do not know how much they get in terms of the money for the TV contract. I would assume it would be near the same uh, as what the rest of the American gets for football. But again, I don't know. I I did find out that Navy, the reason they don't want to be part of the ESPN deal is because for their home games, they want to play in the afternoon and they don't want to have the games move to night or noon. And so the agreement that the American and Navy and ESPN came to was all of Navy's home games will be on CBS Sports Network at 3.30, except for one, which ESPN gets to pick one home game per year and the Notre Dame-Navy game, uh, no matter, I guess, what, what location. I guess if it's, if, it's at, or if it's a neutral site, then they get to pick uh, the games at Notre Dame or on NBC, I believe. But... Um, one Navy home game a year, and then whatever neutral site game Navy plays in Notre Dame, ESPN gets control of those. Uh, for example, this year, Cincinnati, the home game for Cincinnati was an ESPN game, and that kicked off at 12 noon Eastern. The rest of the games have been on CBS Sports Network at 3.30, like this weekend's game against East Carolina. So uh, they don't want to move those games uh, for traditional reasons. Now, road games, ESPN 
gets to pick whatever they want. So, like when Navy plays at ECU, when Navy plays at Tulsa, that's ESPN's call. But any Navy home game, they want basically to have it Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And CBS, the American, and ESPN have all worked out a deal to, to make everybody happy. Um, ECU grad of four says, ECU's run defense has been very good this year. How do you think it will do against the Navy triple option? I mean, I think it's a different animal, but I do expect the Pirates to to play well up front. I, I, I just think ECU will have a good scheme. I think they've got the personnel. You've got some experience. Um, you know, I, I think the defensive front will be fine. I worry, I, I worry more about the linebackers making those tackles. Um, to me, this seems like a perfect game for Aaron Ramsour if he's healthy and the coaches trust him to execute his assignment. You know, his his first step, his tack on ability is elite. It just seems like this would be the perfect game for him. But I think the Pirates will be able to to uh, to play well up front and have a shot to get a victory. Uh, and, and, you know, Rick DeBrew had a monster game last year, so it'll be interesting to see how, how he plays against Navy this time around and where he lines up. Uh, as you have talked about academics and endowments impacting realignment, ECU grad F4 asks, how much of the $500 million ECU campaign will go to increasing our approximate $200 million current endowment how much of the $325 million already raised went to athletics versus academics? Uh, I don't know about the endowment. Uh, I don't, I'm not privy to that information. In terms of how much of this $500 million is going to athletics, I did speak with a source that confirmed that a large uh, or a significant portion of the $500 million ECU capital campaign will go to ECU athletics for fundraising for all sports. I do not have a specific number. Hope to have that at some point in time, but I do know a significant portion of the 500 million will go to ECU. I do not know how much of the 300 plus million already raised has already gone to athletics, uh, and I don't know about the endowment situation. How close is ECU to being an R1 very high research university level is his final question. That I do not know. Again, that's probably a better question for the chancellor. And maybe at some point I need to get the new Chancellor Rogers on the show um, to speak with him in depth about these these things. Because I know he, he places a very high importance on pirate athletics. ECU fan 78912. He wants me to give out stat line predictions for Keaton Mitchell, Tyler Sneed, and C.J. Johnson. Man, this is a shot in the dark, um, but I'll do my best. Keaton Mitchell, I believe, just 17 yards away from 1,000 yards. I think he gets it this weekend. I think, you know, Keaton seems to be a little up and down this year in terms of big big game followed by solid game, big game followed by solid game. I think this is a Keaton Mitchell game. Uh, we saw Rajay do some damage last week. I think Keaton, I think Keaton goes 90, 100 yards. I'm going to go. We go 97 yards and a touchdown, which is a 42-yard touchdown run for Keaton Mitchell at Navy. Tyler Sneed will get a lot of attention from Navy. I think he doesn't have as much of an impact as last week, but he does make six catches for 63 yards, five of which go for first downs. And then C.J. Johnson, um, I think C.J. Johnson gets a touchdown this week. I think C.J. Johnson makes four grabs for 53 yards and a touchdown. So, again, throwing uh, kind of some darts in the dark there, but those are my picks for the game against Navy for those three players. Uh, Dover Pirate 
He's got a couple of questions. He says, we have talked a lot about our depth on defense this year. How will our depth on defense play a role in this game? Well, we kind of touched on that earlier. It's interesting because ECU did not play a lot of guys last year against Navy. This year they're playing like 20 to 25 guys a game. It just seems unlikely they're going to play that much this weekend. Maybe they'll surprise me and rotate a lot. I would, you know, if I was ECU, I would rotate a lot early, kind of see how guys react to facing the option and then kind of hone in, especially late in the game, on who you, who you think really is executing the assignments the best. But, it, you know, it all depends on who the staff trusts. You know, they're going to put guys out there that they trust to execute their assignments because in, in games like this, you know, making one bust could be the difference in the game if you bust on a run. So there's just a, a lot that goes into preparation. They've been repping this stuff all offseason. The coaching staff should know really who is best prepared to play what role. Um, usually in option games, you kind of move some guys around, play some different uh, spots in terms of where they line up. So I'm sure they'll have a very specific game plan from not only an X's and O standpoint, but also a personnel standpoint. But I will watch for sure to see how much rotation goes on, especially at defensive line and also at safety because they've been playing a lot of safeties. But who do they kind of trust in this game? Uh, how does our depth on defense stack up compared to other American athletic competition? I mean, it's up there for sure. I think outside of Cincinnati, I don't know if any defense in the league has as much, much depth as ECU, maybe UCF. Houston up front is probably more more depth, uh, more talent in terms of their speed. But overall, at linebacker and DB, I mean, ECU's got a ton of depth. And the, the best part about it is is they're young. Um, you know, Tulsa's usually solid defensively. Again, Navy's solid defensively. But in terms of depth, talent, experience, you know, projection long term, you know, you give this defense another year or two, and they should be at the top of this league right up there with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a ton of experience. You know, they're – their two corners are probably the best in the league. Um, you know, Majay Sanders off the edge, he's an NFL guy. So they got they have a couple of linebackers that are just absolute phenoms. So top-tier talent, Cincinnati's tough to beat. Their depth is solid. Uh, but I, I would put ECU right up there. And I think long-term, eventually they'll, they'll be at the top of the conference for sure. All right, moving on to Diamond Buck 312. He's got five questions. And his first is, will we be able to run the ball against Navy? You know, I would say yes to an extent. I mean, they are they are solid against the run. They're giving up four yards per carry and 133 yards per game. Um, now, they've had a couple games this year where they've really stifled the run. Against SMU, which has been hit or miss with the run this year, They had the Mustangs had 29 carries for 80 yards. So that was a really good job against the run that day for Navy, but then they gave up 324 yards through the year. Uh, Cincinnati only had 95 yards rushing against Navy, but also only had 21 rushing attempts. Tulsa ran for 129. Notre Dame ran for 150. Memphis ran for 200. Uh, but 69 of that came on a reverse play to Calvin Austin. So, you know, you're going to have to throw the ball to beat these guys is what I would say. You're going to have to be multiple. You're going to have to throw it and run it. ECU is not just going to be able to line up and run the football down Navy's throat, but they should be able to run the football to an extent. And ECU's got a pretty good running game this year, so I would think that the Pirates should be able to have a solid day on the ground. Um, number two, do we come out slinging the ball to build an early lead? You know, a lot of that, too, depends on how Navy 
approaches ECU. I mean, they, they like to blitz. They like to mix up coverages. So you don't want to just go out there slinging the ball around and turn it over early or go three and out like ECU did a couple of times at Navy early in 2019. Um, and so it just depends on what ECU feels is the best matchup. You know, Diego Fago, their middle linebacker, is one of the best uh, players in the league in terms of uh, just tackling. I mean, he's a beast. Uh, Pro Football Focus actually grades him out better, though, in coverage and in pass rush than he is against the run. He has missed 12 tackles this year, but he's made 76. And then in coverage, he's only allowed 14 catches for 93 yards, and he's picked off a pass and broken up a pass. So um, they're just solid in in all facets. And the the toughest thing is they're tough to get a read on because they're similar in terms of what Blake Carroll does at ECU and that he just constantly – you know, Brian Newberry just constantly mixes things up on that side of the ball. So it'll be a chess match, and there'll be probably a filling out stage early in the game on both sides uh, to see kind of what each side is, is trying to do. So I, I don't really have an answer for that other than we'll see. Uh, who has a bigger day, Ryan Jones or Tyler Sneed? You know, typically when a guy is coming off a big game, He's kind of targeted the next week by the defense to make sure he doesn't have that big of a game. And I think everybody knows for ECU, if Tyler Sneed is clicking, this offense is tough to stop. So I would expect Navy to do what they can to take Tyler Sneed away. And so I'm, I'm going to say Tyler has a solid game, but I'm going to say Ryan Jones has a bigger game. I mean, athletically, Navy should not be able to match up with Jones. Uh, if he gets one-on-one matchups, uh, I'm feeding him the football. I'm getting him the football. And Jones continues to just show he's going to be a player uh, each week. Number four, do we see Jaquan McMillan start, or does Nolan Johnson come in to, to help stop the run? Then McMillan in for scheduled third downs to help with the pass slash Hill's body. Uh, good question. To me, you just don't rotate corners like that in terms of mid-series. So I think you'll see, you know, a lot of it depends. If, if Jaquan McMillan's unable to practice this week, which he was practicing limited on Wednesday, uh, you'll probably see Nolan Johnson start again. If he is able to practice, you'll probably see Jaquan start. And, you know, the one thing I'll say about Jaquan is, man, he, he's a good run defender. I mean, he is smaller, but, you know, his run defense grade is 72.3 on a scale of 1 to 100. It's actually the uh, – his run defense grade in last year's game was 72.3, so he played really well against the run last year against Navy. Uh, so he's one of the guys that should be – well prepared for this game. He played 40 snaps last year against the midshipmen. Nolan Johnson did play 26 snaps, and he also graded out well against the run, too. So you have options there. Um, if you if you really want to heal McMillan, then, yeah, you could play Nolan Johnson some. But I think McMillan's as good against the run as any corner ECU has, even at his, his smaller of a stature. All right, our next set of questions comes from ECU Pirates Backwards, and he facetiously pulled a Berg Pirate here. He's asking, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 10 questions. So he says, just answer the first two. But you know what? We got some time to kill, so I'm going to run through them all. Uh, who will be the leading tackler, and why will it be Aaron Ramsour? Uh Well, I'll tell you why it won't be Aaron Ramsour is – he just hasn't been playing that many snaps. So he's got to play enough snaps to be the leading tackler. Um, if this is deemed his game, then maybe he he, he ends up being that guy. Uh, but I think you'll see I think you'll see one of the linebackers, whether it be Miles Berry, Xavier Smith, Bruce Bivens, or Ramsour lead the lead the team in tackles. Uh, will ECU beat Navy 
by a wider margin than Cincinnati beat Navy. Uh, he says in parentheses seven points, but I believe it was actually eight points. Yeah, 20. Oh, no, you're right. Once again, you're smarter than me. Uh, seven points, yeah, 27-20. I was thinking of Houston, 28-20. Um, I'm going to go, no, I'm going to say ECU beats Navy by four points and uh, covers the spread exactly. Um, and I'll give my score later in the game uh, or later in the podcast. Over under two red zone field goals for Owen Daffer. I am going to say under. Will ECU bend but not break? I think ECU's defense will bend but not break a few times during the game, but I think more than not they'll play really good and they'll probably also give up a couple touchdowns because that's just what what happens when you play Navy. It's just hard to completely shut them down. Uh, will Rob Vanderlyn return? I'm not expecting Vanderlyn to play this week. He was not practicing on Wednesday. If Vanderlyn doesn't play, will he travel with the team? Uh, more than likely not. You can only take so many guys, and they're not going to take a, a guy who can't play. How is Jaquan McMillan's ankle? Uh, Jaquan McMillan's ankle is improving. It's still, you know, still taped up when I was out of practice, but he is coming back, and I do expect him to play this week. Um, Likely will be a little bit on a snap count like last week, but the guy, you got to give him credit. He's toughing it out, and uh, he's a tough, tough gun, uh, tough son of a gun. So um, it's improving, but still not 100%. How does Navy's atmosphere and tailgating compare to ECU's? I mean, it's different for sure. It's just a different atmosphere. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of a midshipmen, but it's a, it's awesome, man. You see the guys, the midshipmen, like if you walk around to where they're tailgating, you know, it's really their time to enjoy um, recess, so to speak. So the atmosphere is incredible. The, the the midshipmen, once they get into the stands, they're into it the whole game. They're having a good time. Um, it's almost like a party in the stands. Of course, they enjoy the pregame festivities. So it's different. The, uh, the pregame march uh, for all the different um, the branches, it's... Uh, it's unlike anything I've seen, man. Just the, the pregame facilities, the flyover, the national anthem. It's a chilling experience. You know, I've been on field level when I've taken photos, and it's incredible. I've been in the press box kind of looking down on everybody in the stands. and um, It's something special. I definitely recommend if you've never been to, to go to that game because it's a, it's a unique experience. This will be my first time going late in the season. Usually I'm going when ECU's playing Navy in September, so it's going to be much colder this time around. So I'm looking forward to seeing if that subdues the atmosphere a little bit or if that adds to it. Uh, so I'll, I'll report back with that after the game. Um, do you ever drink a beer at ECU games anymore? He wants to know. Uh, very, very rarely in terms of pregame. You know, when I'm making it around the tailgate scenes, um, you know, I have a lot of our members who hit me up saying, hey, stop by the tailgate, whatever. Um, and I try to make it around to like one or two people a week. Also have my parents who tailgate. And so sometimes I try to go see them. I also got some other friends who invite me over. So very rarely though, I mean, if I have a beer, it's just one beer just to, to wet my appetite. But no, I keep it professional. Obviously, I don't want to be tweeting stupid stuff during the game. I probably already do that sober. So uh, I try to keep it professional and stay sober for the games. But, you know, sometimes I'll I'll drink a beer at a friend's tailgate just to, to hang out and 
if it's multiple hours before the game. Uh, how big of a role will the defensive line play in this game? I mean, huge. I mean, if the defensive line wins at the point of contact uh, consistently, then that extremely limits Navy's ability to do anything, uh, you know, in terms of if they're blowing ECU off the ball every snap, then you're not going to play well as a defense. But if you're holding your own up front or you're getting consistent penetration or getting in the backfield, create negative plays, you know, really the defensive front has to be the one to create negative plays because it's hard for the linebackers to get – in the backfield as quick as Navy operates to make negative plays, unless it's like a pitch play or something of that nature. So, you know, Rick DeBrew, Elijah Morris, Jeremy Lewis, D'Angelo McKinney, whoever is that, whoever's playing on the defensive front, uh, this game will in large part come down to how they play and how they hold up at the point of contact, not just in the first quarter, but for all four quarters. Uh, our final question comes from Pirate2021. He says, what problems does the Navy defense present? Saw Diego Fago is still playing, and remember him giving us problems, especially in 2019. Yeah, I mean, Fago has been there a long time, it feels like. You know, I was watching their press conference earlier in the week, and he said Holt Nathers has been at ECU for as long as he can remember. And I'm just like, well, Diego Fago has been – you know, you're the one saying that, Diego. You've been at Navy as long as Holt Naylor's has been at ECU. So um, I just thought that was hilarious. But you got two guys who are going at it there. Uh, Fago is a senior, so it'll be an emotional day for him. Uh, he's just a beast, man. He's played 541 snaps this year for Navy. Navy as a defense has been on the field for 546 snaps. So you're talking about a dude who has played all but five snaps all season. Uh, but the, the problems they create defensively are simple. They mix it up as much as anybody in the league, especially as this year has gone on. They blitz a lot. They send a lot of corner blitzes. Um, if you look at some of their pass rush numbers, you know their, their linebackers have blitzed 40 times. Fago has blitzed 63 times. Their corners have blitzed a handful of times. So they're not afraid to send it from any which direction. Uh, obviously, the defensive line... Uh, are going to lead those guys in blitzes, but they'll drop their edge guys into coverage. They just do a lot of different things, and they play a lot of different people. They've played 32 different guys on defense this year. So uh, it'll be a challenge. I mean, they mix it up enough to where it's very very rarely have you seen an offense just play a complete game against them. I mean, they'll get their stops. ECU's got to be careful not to turn the ball over because Navy has picked off, I believe, eight passes this season. Um, And they've also scored a couple of touchdowns and yeah it's just it's a situation where if ECU is not careful you know you could turn the ball over and you could give them a short field and if you lose possessions in this game it's going to be tough it's just going to be a tough matchup so uh, but there are plays to, to be made I mean because of their blitzing style they can over pursue and you can hit them and and the reality is Navy does not have as much speed and talent as most teams in this league. So if you get your playmakers out in space, you can hit some big plays against this defense. So that'll do it for our questions, and that'll do it for that portion of the podcast. I'm going to give my prediction real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Can ECU do it? They have not beaten the Naval Academy in a decade. But it's going to change this weekend, guys. My prediction, the Pirates get it done. It's going to be an absolute war in Annapolis. I think the coaching staff will have these guys prepared. I think they're playing with confidence. I don't think they're playing cocky, but I think they're going to go in confident. I think they're going to get the job done. 
on a cold night in Annapolis, I'm going 24 to 20. ECU survives. They pick up their seventh win, and they head into the Cincinnati game on a four-game winning streak. So I'm going to go with ECU in a lower-scoring game, but they make the plays late defensively and offensively. And I'm going to say they hit a big play on special teams to defeat the Navy midshipmen for the first time in a decade and uh, should set up, hopefully, for an exciting final weekend of the regular season. ECU, either way, is going bowling. They've got six wins, and now they've got a chance to get seven this weekend. So we'll, of course, be live from Annapolis during the game, and we'll be bringing you live updates and all that sort of stuff, pre-game, in-game, post-game, and uh, excited about that, excited about the trip. And uh, only two more weeks left in the regular season, guys, so enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that ECU is playing meaningful football in late November, and don't take it for granted after the past six, seven years. Um, so that's it. That'll do it for the podcast. Again, thank you guys for the questions, for tuning in. We'll be back with you after the game. You've been listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.